0: Have more fun. Don't focus so much on grades. It won't matter, but the relationships will. We had David Kyle with us today. Joined QA Symphony uh, back in 2014. The company was founded in 2011. It kind of stalled at around 500 grand a year in 2014 before he came in. And with his team, they brought an additional talent. They said, we're going to move up market a little bit. They now serve over 570 customers that pay on average kind of 30, 40, 50-ish grand per year, first year ACV. About a year ago in December 2016, they were doing about 10 million in run rate. They've grown 100% year over year, so doing around 20 million in AR today. That's about 1.6 1.6 million per month, 115% gross revenue retention annually. So healthy numbers there. They've got a team of about 130 people between London, Atlanta, and some more folks overseas. Cacta LTV, super healthy, rooting for them as they jump and dive into the $40 billion QA space. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest-growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is David Kyle. He's the chief executive officer of QA Symphony and serves on the board of directors. Before joining the company in June of 2014, he was CEO of Digistrive, an e-commerce software company that was acquired by Deem in 2014. Previously, Mr. Kyle was the chief executive officer of Integrated Broadband Services, a software services company owned by private equity firm Pomlico Capital today, serving the capital a cable broadband industry. During Mr. Kyle's four-year tenure at IBBS, the company doubled in size to nearly $40 million in revenue. David, are you ready to take us to the top?
1: I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. All right, okay. so
0: how, how do you go from broadband to QA testing? How does that work? Well, um, I'm
1: uh, really someone who's been involved across all types of uh, technologies, software services, data over my career. Um, I uh, have a deep appreciation for technology, but I don't see myself as a pure technologist. Um, rather, what I've been uh, excited to do and able to do with the companies you mentioned um, is come in and work with founders who are generally very technology focused, uh, who've started a business, taken it to a certain uh, point in time. And then really took over and scaled the business uh, to the next level. So that's what I've done at QA Symphony. And uh, whether it's broadband or whether it's testing, to me, it's you know really a, the business model and the and the overall um, technology uh, leverage in the model is what I'm focused on.
0: So so tell us what QA Symphony does, and then tell us what the revenue model is. is it is pure play SaaS, or is it a professional services component?
1: We're a hundred percent SaaS company. We we have a a software solution that targets large and mid-sized enterprises. Um, and specifically, we provide a uh, workflow testing end-to-end solution that drives uh, faster speed to market and much higher quality. Um, we've had tremendous success over the past few years. We've grown essentially from zero to 20 million in less than four years. It's 100% of a recurring business model we charge per user. We've got um, large clients all over the globe uh, across a number of key verticals, and would happy to to, to expand on any of them. Um, but, but really what's been most exciting is the, the area that we're focused on in terms of, um, providing more, uh, productivity enhancement and quality enhancement to software developers and testers is really part of a broad theme that we're seeing today. I mean, really, as you I'm sure heard companies all over the world are putting more emphasis and more strategic focus on their software, um, uh, initiatives, whether they're a software company or whether they're a manufacturing company or financial services, software is becoming increasingly important. And so the uh, ability for them to drive improved speed and quality is of prime importance.
0: So, David, just to be clear, you mentioned a $20 million number. Is that your run rate today or that's what you did trailing 12 months? That's our run rate today. That's your run rate. So you're doing about 1.6 million today, you know, Monday, April 16th, about per, per month. Approximately. Approximately. Okay, great. Break down some of the components. So, so give us, paint a clearer picture of the kinds of customers you're working with. On average, what's the customer paying you per month?
1: Yeah, it, it's a, a wide range. We have uh, We charge per user and very often we'll get involved with companies at the departmental level or divisional level that may only have 20 or 30 users to start with. Our software uh, list price is approximately a thousand dollars per user per year. Okay. So a, we have many clients who are in that twenty to thirty thousand starting point range per year. At the same time, we work with uh, large enterprises that are paying us, you know, two, three hundred, four hundred thousand a year. So there's a very wide range. The average is about fifty thousand a year.
0: Okay, great. And how many customers are you working with today? Not users, but just logos. Yeah, we have uh,
1: five hundred and seventy customers today um with you know thousands and thousands of
0: users and that's up that's from cool. what since when you joined in 2014 so our customer base in
1: since 2014 has gone up 3x so we had about close to 200 customers at that time um we've increased our our customer base by 3 we've increased our revenue run rate you know uh, much much more than that because we've moved up to selling very small deals with smaller companies to selling much larger deals with much more global 5,000 organizations. What
0: were you doing run rate wise in 2014? Gosh, we were doing uh, less than 500,000 a year. Oh, wow. Rate. Oh, wow. Okay. And then over, uh, go back 13 months, go back about a year from today. So today you're doing 20, what were you doing 13 months ago? We, we, we've doubled a year in the past oh, wow. year. Okay, good. So about, so about 10, 10 million, December, 2016, run rate. Prox- now you're north approximately. of that. Yeah, yeah. approximately. Okay, and,
1: and as you may have seen, we were um, in the uh, the Forbes 1000 Ah, uh, designated as the the number eight fastest growing software company in 2017. So that you know gives you a little sense of of more sense of the type of growth we've been able to uh, experience over the past bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And and walk me through some some other kind of caveats here before we talk about how you've driven this growth. So have you done this all bootstrapped or have you raised capital?
1: Uh, no, we've certainly um, raised outside capital. Uh, the, the the thing I would um, highlight as a starting point, however, is our founders um, came from a services company. Uh, and and have a, a significant services business based in Saigon, Vietnam. So they had the idea to build out the next generation agile testing platform back in 2011 and started the business by taking 30 of their developers from the services business called KMS and starting QA Symphony in a separate building. Um, over the next two and a half years, they funded the business, which was largely an intense R&D effort. When it started to um, really see product market fit in early 2014, and appreciate some bigger clients, that's when I jumped in to um, help take the company to the next level. So in addition to that early funding from KMS, we've done three rounds of financing. Um, These are all public. We did a series A round with primarily angels back in um, 2015. We did a series B led by two local venture firms here in Atlanta. How much were
0: all these for, by the way?
1: Yeah, the first round was a a $2.5 million raise in in, uh, 2015. We raised $5 million in our Series B in early 2016. And then we did a, a much bigger raise in early 2017
0: with uh, Insight Ventures,
1: where we raised $40 million.
0: Got it. So you've raised about $47.5 million, something like that. That's correct. So um, when you joined the company, did you come in as an EIR inside one of these VC firms that led the Series A? No. Uh, great
1: question. I, I um, was introduced to the company, actually, through a recruiter in town. And the timing was really... Um, you know, fortunate for all of us, I was with another business that was in the process of being sold. So I knew that there would be an endpoint. Which one? On the uh, so Digistrive was an e-commerce company, and we were in the middle of selling that to a private company in San Francisco called Deem. And um, and, and so with that uh, completion uh, planned for the middle of 2014, I was beginning to look at other opportunities. It was introduced to to Vu Lam and Josh Lieberman, the founders, uh, in the spring of 14. And uh, there was really good alignment. And so it was a very logical place for me to jump into because where the company was strong on the technology side complemented the strengths that I brought in terms of sales, marketing and overall finance. And so... Um, you know, it was a terrific fit.
0: Now, you said back in 2014, when you joined, you're doing about half a million in AR and you had about 200 customers. Now, you've only maybe doubled or a little little more than doubled the customer base, but you've well more than 10x the revenue Um, walk, you know, when people think about moving from, you know, a, you know, you know, $5,000 a year plan to 20 to $30,000 average starting ACVs, they start to think about things like, well, what if I lose customers? What if they churn, etc? What was the email? What was the communication to those customers when you made the decision that you're going to go up market? I'm talking the ones that were with you for the, from the beginning, paying you lower sure. prices?
1: Sure. You know, uh, like anything, as you can imagine, uh, it was an evolution. It wasn't just one day we pressed a button and suddenly went up market. We, we were able to do it gradually over the past four years. Each and every quarter, have seen a nice uptick in our um, ASP. What, what really has been um, paramount is two things. One is we were able to establish a very close relationship with our partner, Atlassian. Atlassian has a product called Jira. It's one of their um, uh, several products, Jira has been become almost ubiquitous across developers uh, in the world. And so when we developed a very unique and differentiated integration to Jira, uh, that was highly differentiated and really embraced by some of these bigger customers. The second thing that our customers told us that allowed us to really move up market is, while there were a lot of innovative firms that did what we did, there weren't innovative firms that also could scale to large enterprises. So as we built up the scalability Um, we were able to replace some of the legacy players with really the only solution that was both innovative and could scale to large enterprises. And it was that, uh, proving that uh, dynamic to large businesses that allowed us to become very valuable in the enterprise space.
0: It doesn't matter whether you're a startup or a huge brand. We all want to grow, but some of us don't have all the tools or the people power to get it done. That's exactly why 37,000 brands are now using Adroll. Can you guys believe that? 37,000. They help brands find more shoppers, make more sales and grow their online business. Adroll takes care of the nuts and bolts of digital marketing so brands like T Public have more time, less stress and huge growth. T Public sells clothes online if you haven't heard of them. During the holidays, they decided to make a huge investment in digital ads, and the guy running their marketing, Adam Lasky, knew it was a make or break moment for him. And the investment paid off big time. T Public was able to beat sales targets by 2x, delivering massive revenue and making Adam the hero who could go on and tackle more ambitious goals. And he's not the only one. Adderall customers make $246 billion worth of sales every year. Make sure you partner with folks who are proven to help make you money like AdRoll. to see how brands like T public grow faster with Adderall visit Adderall.com slash top that's a d r o l l.com slash top top so when you started executing this strategy did you start driving additional usage from the people that started paying you off very little and then you upsold based off usage or these were brand new customers that were enterprise level that you brought in from scratch it was, it was almost all of the latter. Um, we, w- where we focused a lot when I joined
1: was on growing um, and sophisticating our sales approach. And I was able to bring in um, some terrific sales leadership that had been very experienced in the SaaS uh, business. And so we, we, we really knew we were behind in that area. Our company had been very technology focused, had this terrific product, but had been very, um, uh, very, very early in its phase of growing its sales and marketing So we put a big emphasis on that. We built out a sophisticated uh, process. We invested in some terrific uh, leaders and and, uh, account executives, and we started to get some early wins with companies like Nordstrom and companies like um, uh, uh, Barclays and companies uh, in the e-commerce space like Amazon. And so the financial services, the e-commerce, and the technology um, verticals became very natural uh, verticals for us where we've been able to... Uh, add you know numerous other big clients over the past few years.
0: And David, is it true to say that the number one way you've added these enterprise clients is through this Jira integration? They find you that way. You then onboarding with your new AEs. Uh,
1: that is uh, part of I think the overall um, value prop that many customers tell us is the most important, which is our ability to integrate to their key assets across their uh, software development lifecycle ecosystem.
0: But the leads aren't coming from Atlassian, Then you're not like in an Atlassian app store somewhere. Not at all. Um, we, the leads
1: all come to us through um, a very uh, intensive inbound marketing approach where we're getting uh, nearly 80% of our business through inbound leads. But what has um, you know, been very clear to us is that that integration to Jira and other parts of the ecosystem is a key differentiator that we hear about.
0: I see. Okay, tell me right now, what's the team size today?
1: So we've got uh, overall about 130 employees. We've got 40 in Vietnam. We've got about 85 here in Atlanta, and we've got a, a small but growing team in uh, London uh, of, of sales executives focused in the Europe market.
0: And, and how many of the 130 are sales or AEs or onboarding folks? Approximately 40. Okay, so, so a healthy person. amount. Yeah, very healthy yes. amount. And then when you take into account, you know, all your the people working on all your inbound marketing efforts, since that's where 80% of your leads come from, and you also take into account your SDRs, the commissions for AEs, things like that, and additionally, any of your direct paid spend. I mean, what is your fully weighted CAC?
1: You know, um, that that's something that I'm not at liberty to go into detail on, but I will tell you that our CAC metrics um, are in the top quartile of other SaaS companies that we see. And, um, you know, we've been able to get significant leverage in the business and, Um, we'll we'll be cash flow positive later this year. So the profitability and the business model that we've been able to mature um, has been a very strong one.
0: Let me ask this, let me ask this differently in a way that you might feel more comfortable talking about. Um, How quickly do you like to get your money back on a new customer? Is it six month payback, 12 month, 24 month?
1: You know, as you know, in the SaaS um, business, if um, a company growing fast can get a payback within a year, over 12 months, that's looked at as kind of a a best practice. And so that's a target that um, we're very focused
0: on. When do you think you'll hit that? I think that we'll hit that very soon. Okay, this year. So is it fair to say you're maybe between 12 and maybe 18 months right now, you're trying to work it down to 12? I think that's not a bad guess. Okay, got it. Um, Walking, um, what... In the beginning, when you joined, uh, was there was the payback period significantly less than that because you didn't have the sales infrastructure, you didn't have as much cost associated with each sale and the sales points were much lower?
1: You know, you know, when I joined candidly, the metrics were not even comparable. We had we were growing a team, we had very, you know, tiny focus on small customers. And so it really be it'd really be tough to compare. Um, but the metrics overall, as we've invested in the business, have become more favorable over the past three years, each each year.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, it's fair to say if you're working to a 12 month payback period, right, and your annual, you know, average first year ACV is call it 20 to 30, what you're telling me as a CEO, you're totally comfortable paying that first year ACV on acquisition because you know what your retention looks like.
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as you as you alluded to, you know, the, the SaaS metrics that you see out there are ones that we've targeted and have been able to perform at or above best practices in our
0: in our uh, uh, general um, SaaS vertical. Well, the big number, and you know this is churn. Tell me about your churn and how you think about it. Yeah.
1: One of the other differentiators that we hear continually from our customers is our very strong customer retention team. And that's an area that we put a lot of focus on. Um, As a result, when you look at uh, the overall number of revenue that we receive from our current base in a given year, the overall revenue is about 115%, which is again in the top Quartile, if not top decile, of companies at our stage. Now, is that
0: gross or net?
1: Um, that's gross. And so the net, we would generally see about 85 to 90% retention. Mm-hmm um in a given year and then we would add 25 to 30% of additional revenue from that current customer to get to that 115 um metric i spoke about.
0: Yeah, so just to be clear on an on an annual basis and we're talking about revenue churn not logo churn. You'll, you'll 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 churn call it 20 or 15% but you're adding 25 30%, so net expansion is around 15. Is that accurate? we'll churn we'll 10 to 15% to get to the 85 to 90% retention that i mentioned.
1: Oh, i see. Okay. And yeah. So so in that range, that's correct.
0: Got it. Okay, good. And what is driving most of the expansion revenue? Is it just more users, more product features, more usage? You know, you know what's been incredible
1: is um, and i've written blogs about
0: this. Our primary competitor
1: was HP uh, Quality Center, HP software business combined with a public company in England called Microfocus. Um, and when they did that, uh, they really took on a strategy of significant cost reduction. And um, that has played extremely well uh, in to, uh, with us. We're, we're hearing each and every week from large organizations and big partners that they are not satisfied with micro focus. They don't have confidence that they can grow with them in the future. And, and their only choice for companies that are really looking to scale is QA Symphony. So that's been the catalyst for us that we've taken advantage of and will continue to focus on here in the near term.
0: Rainforest, QA, Sauce Labs, how do you think about these guys? Those are great companies in the ecosystem, and they're very complementary
1: to uh, what we do. If They all do different things in a very, very large market. Uh, it's about a $40 billion market. We're targeting a slice of that today in the three to $4 billion range, but it's a huge market and plenty of room for folks like, like Sauce and others to do well in.
0: David, last economics question before we wrap up with the famous five. Lifetime value is always a back of the napkin kind of number, but what do you assume these customers are worth to you at a minimum over their lifetime?
1: Well, as as we said, you know, uh, our average customer today, our new average customer is about 50,000, but our historical average, really, if you look at, at the entire life cycle is closer to 30,000. And, you know, since we're able to keep these customers on average for, you know, six plus years, you know, you can do the math. It's, Well, north of one hundred and fifty thousand.
0: Yep. Okay. Good. All right. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book, David?
1: Uh, I'd have to say Crossing the Chasm. Even it's an an oldie but goodie, and I tell everybody that works with me that it's it's the Bible from my perspective.
0: It's a good one, Jeffrey Moore, big uh, orange cover. Number two. (laughs) Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: Gosh, there's so many. You know, I I would tell you that, you know, everyone's following Elon Musk, uh, you know, tremendous idea, but I'm I'm probably a Jeff Bezos uh, fan uh, who someone that has just done remarkable things with that business. Needless to say, and I follow, you know, what he's done in in expanding uh, their business, you know, very closely.
0: Who gets to Mars first? (laughs) Bezos or Musk? Uh, I'd have to go with Musk on that one. All right. Number three, what's your favorite online tool, David, for building your business besides your own? Uh, you know, I'm a LinkedIn fan. So uh, that's, that's one of the uh,
1: where areas that all of us at our company spend a lot of time with. It's invaluable. And I, I see it becoming increasingly valuable.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night?
1: Uh, wide range there, but I would say uh, six and a half to seven. I uh, have.
0: That's, that's pretty healthy. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? I, I'm married. I've been married for 22 plus
1: years. I've got two teenagers, uh, son who's 18 and daughter who's 15. And as you can imagine, that creates a lot of ongoing excitement.
0: <laughs> and David, how old are you? 54 years old. All right, 54 last. 54 years young. 54 years young. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: Oh, that's a terrific question. Um, probably that I should have had more fun in college and, and that it all doesn't matter because, uh, you know, the, what really matters in my view is um, the, the, the uh, relationships that one creates, the overall um, leadership skills that one has, and the people that you know, you can work with and mentor with over time, uh, that shape one's career and not the grades you get in college. So I wish I hadn't worked so hard in college.
0: Guys, there you have it. All you college students listening, thinking about starting your own thing, have more fun. Don't focus so much on grades. It won't matter, but the relationships will. We had David Kyle with us today. Joined QA Symphony uh, back in 2014. The company was founded in 2011. It kind of stalled at around 500 grand a year in 2014 before he came in. And with his team, they brought an additional talent. They said, we're going to move up market a little bit. They now serve over 570 customers that pay on average kind of 30, 40, 50-ish grand per year, first year AC. About a year ago in December 2016, they were doing about 10 million in run rate. They've grown 100% year over year. So, doing around 20 million in AR today. That's about 1.6 million per month. 115% gross revenue retention annually. So, healthy numbers there. They've got a team of about 130 people between London, Atlanta, and some more folks overseas. Cacta LTV, super healthy, rooting for them as they jump and dive into the $40 billion QA space. David, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: That was quite quick. Very impressive. Thank you.